Hi there, folks. Harvard University is under investigation of anti-Semitism on campus. So how can it be stopped? And has it uncovered an inconvenient truth, a problem in the education system? I'm Aaron Young. Let's find out. Now, streaming right around the world, this is Ticker Today. So great to be with you wherever you are joining us from. Also on Ticker today, major nations are pushing for companies to create AI systems that are secure by design. But what does it actually mean? We'll be joined by Dr. Karen Sutherland later on in the program. But first, we can kick it off now with Ticker Hotshots and Veronica Dudo, who's in New York for us. Veronica, great to see you. Now, the U.S. Department of Education's office is opening an investigation into Harvard University over alleged anti-Semitism on campus in the wake of the Israel-Hamas war. In a letter dated Tuesday, Christy Harris, chief attorney for the OCR, Boston office said that the OCR will be opening an investigation into whether Harvard failed to respond to alleged harassment of students based on their national origin, shared Jewish ancestry, or Israeli in a matter consistent with the requirements of Title VI. What do you make of all this? So this was opened in October, obviously, following the um, terror attack on October 7th in Israel. And so, you know, we are seeing a lot of these incidents popping up across the country where a lot of um, people who are Jewish, Jewish descent, uh, they are feeling that they are targeted. And so, of course, you know, with this being opened, the Department of Education wants to create safe spaces for students. But again, is this something that has been there and now a light is being shined on it in terms of anti-Semitism? Uh, hopefully that's not the case. Or is this just uh, something, you know, where we're seeing a lot of heightened emotions and obviously this investigation will have to move forward, but we're hearing uh, students who have been locked in libraries for their own safety because uh, you know, protesters are trying to go after them. We we just saw a similar incident in New York where a teacher who was at a pro-Israel rally, again, a, p- a picture was posted of her and the students went running through the hallways to try to get her. She was locked in her classroom. We heard, you know, Mayor Eric Adams talking about this. So this is certainly a very real problem here in the United States. You know, we are seeing some additional incidents really around the world. It is such a good point. Obviously, we have so many people who are watching closely. You would not want it to happen at university, but we know that there are a lot of activists uh, who head to university. That's the reason they're attracted to university. And then they find like-minded people and you end up in a culture. um, I think many of us have seen it through university where this occurs. It doesn't really come as a surprise, does it? It, it doesn't. A lot of the uh, rhetoric that's uh, being uh, propagated, you know, and, and talked about hearing this from some particular professors who would like to have certain views, uh, your students seem to be adopting those views. It's a very delicate situation where, you know, obviously it, it is a very heart-wrenching uh, situation when you're dealing with war, when you're dealing with uh, people losing their houses, children dying. You're talking about people who had, you know, mm. horrible atrocities done to them. Yeah. So, you know, and I think in a very basic way, people want to just think one could be right, one could be wrong. And so it's not an easy answer. This, uh, you know, this infighting doesn't even help the situation that, you know, continues in the Middle East. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a really difficult one for the universities to deal with because free speech um, comes into it, but anti-Semitism being separate to that, it's a, a difficult one for them to be able to stamp out, but one that obviously they're now under investigation for. All right, our second uh, topic today, US stocks little changed as investors digested conflicting remarks from Federal Reserve officials with upbeat consumer data providing some lift. All three major US stock indexes lost momentum as the session progressed. It is such a wild time on the share market. We've been hoping for this kind of Santa Claus rally uh, that we'd be expecting in the lead up to Christmas as investors kind of tipped off what has been such a topsy-turvy year with tech stocks as well as the economy concerns about inflation. Things seem to be going pretty well uh, over recent weeks with inflation. But Veronica, we've been getting some data out, which has really been confusing matters, right? It's very confusing. And there was a lot of hope, a lot of projections for that Santa Claus rally, as you mentioned, in the final weeks of trading to close out the year for 2023. I mean, just to put it in perspective, when we're hearing, uh, you know, some remarks from uh, the Federal Reserve officials that, okay, maybe inflation's going in the right direction, there may not be rate hikes, then we are hearing some talking about the potential for, uh, you know, rake rate cuts, which is surprising to be to even think they're talking about that. But then you're hearing other uh, officials within the Federal Reserve saying, wait, not so fast. And this all comes on the heels of a report that in the United States, online sales for Cyber Monday alone hit $12 billion. And that is, if that is true, that's a record. So it's interesting, you know, are people just holding out for the deals? Uh, are they really rating and spending? Uh, if, if we had the answers to those questions, we'd <laughs> well, it's interesting be because we yeah we just watched Black Friday and Cyber Monday. A lot of people who um, were meant to be heading to the stores were actually shopping online. Was one of the big trends that we've been seeing as well. No doubt, expecting that they will be able to see the better deals there. One of the interesting things, I'm not sure if you saw it, but Target in uh, the United States, they were actually having Black Friday deals which were the same price as before Black Friday deals, and they got rather caught out there as well. Um, obviously, Black Friday, Cyber Monday has been a long-term thing. It's been building up as as well. Um, what did you witness uh, from the other side of the pond? What did you see there? So we did see brick and mortars uh, having uh, the foot traffic. So they're having people that would come into the stores, you know, not too long ago, they would be camping outside of the stores for some of those really sought after toys, games, some of the electronics, of course, you know, in terms of supply and demand, uh, not too much of that, but still the foot traffic, people were shopping, but also online, it's very easy to be able to just, you know, click with, you know, your, your finger and be able to add it to your cart and have it uh, shipped right to your house. But again, you know, in terms of those sales, people were tracking and now we're even seeing some of the Cyber Monday extended for another 24 hours, which would, you know, bring that into right yeah, now. Yeah, I've seen as that. And I, I, reckon that's a, I reckon that's a lot of rubbish. I reckon <laughs> that the reason they're doing that is they didn't get the sales that they were expecting, to be honest. I was going through my emails this morning saying, we were so popular, we've decided to extend it. If you were so popular, you'd be sold out. All right, we'll leave it there for now, Veronica. Talk to you again soon. Take care. AWS is a leader in cloud computing, as we know, now unveiling what it believes will be an AI future. The event showcased cutting edge technologies, game changing announcements as well. The highlight was the introduction of Quantum Compute, a revolutionary quantum computing service promising unprecedented power. The service aims to empower 
developers to solve complex problems previously deemed impossible. AWS also introduced Green Cloud, a sustainability-focused initiative committing to making data centers 100% renewable, powered by 2025. The United States, Britain, and more than a dozen other countries have unveiled the first detailed international agreement on how to keep artificial intelligence safe from rogue actors. They are pushing for companies to create AI systems that are secure by design. But what does it actually mean? For more, we're joined by Dr. Karen Sutherland from the University of the Sunshine Coast for what I believe will be our final chat of the year. Uh, Dr. Karen Sutherland, great to see you. Um, the main objectives of the AI secure by design announcement agreement, what are they? Well, really, it's it's about, I mean, like it sort of says, like in the design of AI, making sure that it is safe, it uh, prevents misuse, and it enhances public safety. So this is around things like data safety and the way that it is actually used and also privacy. So, yes, however, the main thing is to remember is that it's a non-binding agreement, so it's more like a, a I guess, an initiative to try and do good. <laughs> You know what I think of these? It's an initiative to make us feel like everything yeah. is going to be okay. And yet let's have a look at what's going on with Sam Altman over at OpenAI over the last <laughs> week where the humans clearly are in charge because it's an absolute mess over there. And that is the concern. You say that it's a non-binding agreement um, between it's been pushed by the United States. The UK is in this as well. How will it actually uh, impact the development of AI technologies worldwide? Because my concern is if you look at, for example, uh, cyber hacking, every Every country may sign up to something saying we don't want any cyber hacking right up until <laughs> Russia, China and North Korea decide to do some cyber hacking. What's the point of all this? Well, look, I mean, it, in, on the one hand, it's I think, you know, it's a positive thing that they're actually thinking and forward thinking about this. But on the other hand, it sort of makes it look like they're doing something without actually really doing something because it is non-binding and, and it's an opt-in and, you know, so it, it's, it's hard to know how effective this will actually be. But I guess you have to give them kudos for thinking about it. <laughs> do we? Do we have to do that? I'm not sure. I mean, look, obviously it's the beginning and perhaps as part one to bring in something a little bit more serious. Um, talk to us about the international standards being established for AI security. What are they? Well, I mean, the, again, this is all still still up in the air, but it's um, it's really just like a, a worldwide movement. And so it's about, it's it's they're, they're actually highlighting the risks, but they're not actually coming up with any solutions yet. So, uh, so yeah, so I mean, they're, they're highlighting what could go wrong, but there's, there's really nothing yet to show what could actually prevent it. <laughs> All right. Um, now, new research unveiling a significant AI adoption trend among a lot of small and medium-sized enterprises, SMEs as we call them. 19% of businesses in Australia actively saying that they're integrating artificial intelligence into their operations. Are you surprised it's as high as 19%? I'm like, I actually think it's kind of low, <laughs> to be honest. Like, I mean, 20%, uh, I thought it would be a lot a lot more. And there only seems, seems to be using it like from this research for particular things, particularly around sort of social media content, um, marketing and market research and copywriting, where AI can really help uh, operations in, in all different levels of, of an organisation. So, yeah, so there's only 19% doing that, mainly in their marketing side of things. However, 88% of those using it are showing, are saying they're really uh, experiencing significant time savings by using it. So, yeah, I think the adoption rate is going to explode, similar like when social media started to, to come on board. But I think it's that fear of the unknown, uh, fear of um, how much it's going to cost and, and I guess the integration of it and the time that will take to actually 
implement um, that may be sort of preventing others from jumping on board so quickly. Yeah, but yeah, obviously, but um, obviously there's a lot of different ways you can use AI. What are some of the ways you think that they'd be using it? Is it employees using ChatGPT, for example, or more than that? Well, from the, from this study, it's really showing that it's really that generative AI that people are really picking up on and mainly in their sort of marketing side of things. So with their content and, and writing and those sorts of things, um, they're not sort of using the big high-end um, tools to help them with their accounting and, and logistics and even their HR operations, which is another, that you know, AI can be help used to help all, all sides of the business. So it's that's tend to be like that generative AI yeah. that they're focusing on right now. All right, we'll leave it there for now. Always great to see you, uh, Dr. Karen Sutherland there from the University of the Sunshine Coast. Take care. We'll see you again soon. Thank you so much. All right, more Ticker right after this. You're watching Ticker. We'll have more in just a few minutes.